0: A few more quotes this morning. What gods there are. I have never seen the slightest scientific proof of a personal God. Thomas Edison. What gods are there? What gods have there ever been that were not from man's imagination? Mark Twain. Faith is believing what you know ain't so. Carl Sagan, you can't convince a believer of anything, for their belief is not based on evidence. It's based on the deep-seated need to believe. Richard Dawkins, faith is the great cop-out, the great excuse to evade the need to think and evaluate the evidence. Faith is belief in spite of, in fact, perhaps because of the lack of evidence. Gloria Steinem. A man without a God is like a fish without a bicycle. Think about that one for a while. (laughs) (laughs) History does not record anywhere at any time a religion that has a rational basis. Religion is a crutch for people not strong enough to stand up to the unknown without help. I don't believe in God because I don't believe in Mother Goose. Why don't people believe in God? It's not a rhetorical question. I want some answers here. What, why? Give me some ideas. Why don't people believe in God? Raise your hand. Give me an idea of why people don't believe in God. Can't see him. Can't touch him. Can't see him, can't touch him. Good. What are some other ideas? Raise your hand. Why do people not believe in God? Some ideas. Yes. Good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Other ideas. It's been my experience that if you ask someone who does not believe in God, they can give you reasons. In fact, they can give you multiple reasons of why they don't believe in God. But it's also been my experience if you asked a theist or if you asked a Christian, why do you believe in God? you get some blank looks. you get some stares that Christians or theists aren't very good about giving reasons why they believe. They'll say, well, I just do. Or that's the way I was raised. Or because the Bible says so. Or because I feel him. So people who do not believe in God can give a lot of reasons. A lot of time, we who are theists or Christians can't give very good reasons why we believe. Peter states this. This is 1 Peter 3, 15. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that's in you. Peter says, always be ready to give an answer. Someone says, why do you believe in God? Why do you have this hope in God? Can you give answers can you give reasons can you give reasons why you believe in a God this morning I want to show you why I think the idea of believing in a God is reasonable the question this morning is not can I prove whether God exists I don't think I can absolutely prove that God exists maybe someone can but I can't absolutely prove that God exists The question is, is belief in God reasonable? As an aside, someone who doesn't believe in God cannot have 100% certainty that God does not exist. If you don't believe in God, you can't have 100% certainty that God doesn't exist. In order to know with 100% certainty that God doesn't exist, you'd have to know everything. If you know everything, you're God, and therefore you just mis- proved yourself wrong. So there's always some doubt there. But I want to show you this morning that belief in God is reasonable. Faith is not believing what ain't so, faith is confidence that something is true. You have faith in that bench. You have reasons for believing that it's going to hold you up. You look at it and it looks solid. You've sat on benches like this before. You see other people sitting on the benches. You have evidence. I think belief in God is like that too. There's reasons. It's reasonable to believe in God. So why do I believe in God? A little acrostic I'm going to use this morning, SCAR, S-C-A-R. It's the best I could come up with. But I just want to give you some ideas of why I think it's reasonable to believe in a God the first is source. The question is, why is there something instead of nothing? Why is there something instead of nothing? Where did everything come from? What is the source of the universe? I think the best answer to that is that there's an eternal God. Here's a, here's a question. Here's, I have a, a hymn book here. Where did this hymn book come from? Well, you could say it came from the hymn book store. But where did it come from? There are three possibilities. First, this hymn book came from nothing. Second, this hymn book has always existed. Or third, something else caused this hymn book to exist. Let's look at these. Um, It came from nothing. It just popped into existence. Well, we don't believe that nothing can produce something. The only thing that can produce something is something else. We don't believe in spontaneous generation, so something can't come from nothing. Second option, this hymn book has always existed. Well, okay, that's a possibility. We'd have to look into it historically and scientifically to see if this hymn book has always existed. Third possibility, someone else caused this hymn book to exist. That's probably the most reasonable answer that someone manufactured this hymn book. Let's look about look about let's look at the universe. Where did the universe come from? From the universe store? No. There are three possibilities. One, the universe came from nothing. Two, the universe has always been there. Or three, something caused the universe. Let's look at this. The universe came from nothing. Again, nothing can't produce something. Something has to produce something. The universe cannot come from nothing. Second, it's always been there. The universe has always been there. A lot of people believe that. The problem is that that's not very reasonable scientifically or philosophically. Science says that the universe is expanding. Science says that there's a certain level of background radiation. Science talks about the laws of thermodynamics. Science talks about the redshift. Science points to the fact that the universe has not always existed. That the universe had a beginning. Now there's some recent theories out there that try to show that maybe, maybe the the universe has always been there. You might be familiar with some of these theories. There's um, Stephen Hawking has a theory out. There's String theory that's out there. There's the steady state theory. There's oscillating universe theory and all these theories are trying to get around the idea that the universe had a beginning. They're trying to give you the idea that the universe has always been there. And these if you read these theories, especially Hawkins theories, they're fascinating. They're very interesting. The problem is there is no evidence for these theories. There's no scientific evidence. They're just nice, great theories. The theory that has the most evidence, the current theory, is the Big Bang Theory. And there's variations of that. But basically, it says that the universe came into existence. So the idea that the universe has always been here doesn't measure up scientifically. The idea that the universe has always been here also doesn't measure up philosophically. Now, put your philosopher's hat on this one. Part of the universe is time. Right. Time is a component of the universe. Now, if the universe was eternal, it's always existed, then time would always exist. Time would be eternal. That means there would be an infinite number of moments before this moment It would go on forever and ever and ever like a timeline. It would also mean there'd be an infinite number of moments before this moment. Time would be eternal. If the universe was eternal, always existed, then time would be eternal. If there's an infinite number of moments, here we go, here we go. (laughs) If there's an infinite number of moments before this moment, then this moment would never come. Because there's an infinite number of moments before this moment. There's an unending number of moments before this moment. So this moment would never come. This moment has come, therefore, there's not an infinite number of moments before this moment, therefore the universe is not eternal. Ooh, got that one? (laughs) That's it, that's the hardest one. The point is that it's more reasonable to believe that something else caused the universe, that the universe did not come from nothing, that the universe has not always existed, that something caused it. And I think the best cause is the eternal God. Now, when you talk about this, a lot of people will say, well, if everything must have a cause, what caused God, right? But it's incorrect to say everything must have a cause. What we believe is everything that has a beginning must have a cause. God did not have a beginning. Therefore, he does not need a cause. Well, maybe the universe didn't have a beginning. Well, science and logic goes against that. Where did the universe come from? Why is there something rather than nothing? What is the source of the universe? I think the most reasonable idea is that there is an eternal God. Another idea is complexity. When you, you look at the galaxy, when you look at the solar system, when you look at the human body, when you look at the human eye and the brain, when you look at the cell, it leads me to conclude that the universe is not the product of randomness or chance, but somewhere in the process, there is a God. The world and the universe is too complex. This last year, I took... um, Anatomy and physiology. I took anatomy and physiology one and two. And about a 100 years ago, we thought that the human cell was just this very simple blob. But we know so much about this, the cell. The human cell is such a complex machine. It's so intricate. If you ever get to take anatomy or physiology, it just cries out that there's something beyond this complex machine, that randomness, that chance could not alone account for this complexity. Or even take the human DNA. There's enough information in a single DNA strand to store 30 volumes of the Encyclopedia Britannica five times older. over. You take the 30 volumes of the Encyclopedia five times and the DNA strand holds that much information. Russell Griggs says, the amount of information that could be stored in the pinhead of a DNA is equivalent to a pile of paper books so high, 500 times as tall as the distance from the Earth to the moon. So you could stack these paperback books, paperback books with all this information, and it reached the moon 500 times over. The DNA is so complex. Bill Gates says this DNA is like a computer program, but far, far more advanced than any software we've ever created. The complexity of our own body is amazing. And this complexity of our body, the complexity of the universe, leads me to believe that there's a God. I think it's reasonable. Again, I'm not trying to prove that God exists. I don't think I can. But I'm letting you know that our belief in God is reasonable. Source. What's the source of the universe? Complexity and absolutes. Elton Trueblood says this. The recognition of absolute moral values drives us to the belief in God. Let's say uh, let's Let's see. How many of you are left-handed? Raise your hand if you're left-handed. Okay, we've got three kind of sword. Okay, we'll say we have three men that are left-handed. What if I say, okay, we're going to kill all left-handed people? You know, okay? You'd say, well, you can't do that. That's wrong. Well, why is that wrong? Who says it's wrong? Well, because your, your rights end at your nose and you can't hurt people. Who says that? who made up that rule are there absolute morals you have a choice here either there are absolute morals that leads you to the idea of an absolute god or morals come from society or the individual if morals come from society or the individual then society say left-handed men should be killed they said Jews should be killed Six million Jews. That's what society thought was okay. Society said, it's okay to kill Jews. Society in the United States said, it's okay to enslave a race of people. Society said that. Some people have morals that say it's okay to steal. If there's not an absolute God, there are no absolutes. Now, listen real carefully. I am not saying that people who do not believe in God are not moral. The people I know who do not believe in God are very moral. They're very good people. They're not evil. They're good people. They have morals. The point is, without an absolute God, there are no absolute morals. Without a God, morals are dictated by whatever the individual or society thinks. Let's kill Jews. Let's enslave African Americans. Let's kill left-handed people. Whatever society thinks. Whatever society says. William Craig Lane summarizes it this way. If God does not exist, moral absolutes do not exist. Moral absolutes exist, therefore it's reasonable to believe in an absolute God. So I think believing in God is reasonable. He's the source, the complexity of the universe, the moral absolutes. And finally, for me, the most convincing is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Even if you threw out the Bible, just throw out the New Testament. Just throw it out. I don't think you need to because I think it's a very historical document. But even if you threw out the New Testament, Jewish and Roman historians show that Jesus was a man of history. He existed historically. Secular history tells us a few things about Jesus Christ. Jesus was born around 3 or 4 B.C., His followers claimed he did miracles. He was executed by the Roman governor around 33 AD. History also says soon after his death, his followers claimed that he came back to life. History tells this, that very quickly after his death, his followers, who were all monotheistic Jews, believed that Jesus had come back to life. Since history says this, that the early followers believed that he came back to life. People have tried to do all kinds of theories to explain away their belief. Well, maybe the disciples went to the wrong tomb. Maybe the disciples stole the body. Maybe the Romans moved the body. Maybe it was a hallucination. Maybe they just believed that he rose spiritually. They've come up with all these theories, but the best historical explanation for their belief is that Jesus did arise from the grave. Historically you have to account from this strange idea that these I mean these are Jews. The essence of Judaism is there is one God. They grew up in this polytheistic world that there is many gods and their doctrine was there's one God, but early on, very early on, they started worshipping Jesus as God. Why? What happened? You have to account for that historically. Have I proven that God exists? No. Have I shown that I have good reasons? Yeah. I've got some good reasons. You may you may debate some of these. And every one of these points, there are counter arguments. But even those counter arguments, there are counter arguments. But the point is they're reasonable. I could take these points with someone who didn't believe with God and they'd say, well, I understand that, but this, and I'd say, okay, yes, it's reasonable. It's not like believing in the Blue Fairy. That's great, you believe in the Blue Fairy, but give me some reasons. Give me some support why you believe. Most of us did not sit down and get a anatomy textbook or a philosophy book and open it up one day and say, okay, I'm going to see whether or not God exists. I know I grew up in a home that people believed in God. And I grew up in a home that was a Christian tradition and they taught me about Jesus Christ. And at a certain point in my life, I believe that Jesus Christ died for me. Well, that's good. That's my experience. That's a nice experience. The question is, does that experience correspond with reality? Yeah, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. He's great. And, you know, he rose from the grave. That's nice. That's workable. It works for me. But I think there's a bigger question. Does that correspond to reality? Did Jesus Christ really rose from the grave? Is there really a God? Does that correspond with reality? You can believe in the Blue Fairy. That's great. But does that correspond to reality? Is there any evidence... Of the blue fairy. So I have an experience with God. I experience Him daily in my life. But that experience, I think, is a reasonable experience. Real quickly, I'm going to go back to what Peter said. He said, Always be ready to, to give reasons for the hope that's within you. And then at the end of this verse, he says this but do this with gentleness and respect. We who are theists, and we who especially who hold the Christian tradition, we are some of the most biased, dogmatic, unloving people. And Peter says, give people reasons, but do it with gentleness and respect. Here's some things that I learned recently, and it's, it's mostly been through through this church through all souls when you're dealing with people listen instead of lecture i mean you ever seen like here's this christian and here's the person who doesn't believe in god and you're kind of watching the conversation and the christian's and the, the non-christian his eyes just kind of you know roll up in his head and because we don't listen we lecture you know lecture number 3 lecture number 5 we have these little speeches But listen, just listen, instead of lecture. Ask instead of answer. Ask people questions. I find this so interesting. If you ever come to our Wednesday night group, it's so great to ask people questions. Okay, why do you believe that? That's cool. Ask people questions instead of always giving answers. Here's Jesus Christ, God in flesh. And what does he do? He goes around asking people questions. He said, who do you say I am? Why do you call me good? What is the greatest commandment? What do you think it is? Jesus, who had all the answers, spent his time asking questions. So ask questions instead of always giving answers. Why do you think there's something rather than nothing? Where do you think the universe came from? Do you think it's okay to kill left-handed men? You know, ask people questions. Where, what, what morals do you have? Where do you get these morals? Oh, that's interesting. Then you want to jump on. Just ask them questions, huh? And then move on. And then finally, dialogue instead of debate. The goal of debate is to win. I want to convince you. I want to move you to my position. The goal of dialogue is to understand. I want to understand what you're saying. So dialogue instead of debate. This was so freeing for me because I always thought I had to debate. I had to win. I had to prove. I had to show you that I'm right. But once I got into the mode of dialoguing, my goal is to understand you and perhaps maybe you can understand me, the fear went away. And it's like enjoyable. I'm not trying to prove anything. I'm not trying to argue. I'm just trying to listen and understand you. So that's what we can do. We who are theists, we who are Christians, I believe that Faith in Christ is reasonable. I believe that the existence of God is reasonable. But I can explain that in a gentle and respectful way. Let me close with just uh, two points. I referred earlier to Bill Gates. How many of you believe Bill Gates exists? Raise your hand. Okay, we've got pretty much all believers here. Okay, you believe that Bill Gates exists. You have evidence. You've probably seen pictures of him or you know, heard him or whatever or read about him, so you believe that he exists. How many of you had Bill Gates over to your house last week for supper? No. How many of you have a relationship with Bill Gates besides calling up Microsoft and you know, cussing him out? We don't have relationship with Bill Gates. We didn't go bowling with him last week. We didn't go over to his mansion and and have hot dogs. We believe that he exists, but we don't have a relationship with him. You may believe that God exists. Yes, God exists. But the question is, do you have a relationship with God? Now, again, I come from the the Christian tradition. And the the Christian tradition states that if you want to have a relationship with God, it comes through Jesus Christ. That's the Christian tradition. Jesus said this strange and very powerful statement. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen God. Pretty bold. If you've seen me, you've seen God. So do you have a relationship with this God? I'm, I'm glad that you believe in a God. But what type of relationship do you have with this God with whom you believe? Second point. If you have a relationship with God, do people see that? See, I think answers and reasons are important, but maybe even more important is that people will see the love of God in you. That people will see that your relationship with God is of extreme importance to you. Can people see that you do have a relationship with this God if you are a Christian if you're in the Christian tradition can people see that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They need to see the love of Christ in you. Faith in God is reasonable. I can't prove it but it's reasonable. Enter into dialogue with people. Don't be afraid. And in If you have a relation with God, just share it in a non-judgmental, dogmatic way. Non-judgmental, non-dogmatic way. Let people know.